0: Hey, Nate. Yes, Sam. You know how everybody these days is getting, like, their personal genome sequenced? Yeah, I mean, there's tons of companies doing that now.
1: Yeah, I thought, like, back in, I don't know, like, almost 20 years ago, they sequenced the human genome.
0: But if there is a human genome, why are we all so different? I don't know. Hey, I got a question about that.
1: Hello, and welcome to another
0: episode of Hey, I Got a Question About That. I'm Sam. I'm Nate. And this is a podcast and video series where we talk about all the fascinating research going on here at the Penn State Eberly College of Science. On this episode, we're joined by Santosh Giri Rajan. He's an associate professor of
1: biochemistry and molecular biology and of anthropology here at Penn State. And he studies genetic variation, particularly in relationship to neurodevelopmental disease. And we talked to him about uh, the human genome and if there is a human genome.
0: Right. There was a lot of good information in this talk, so let's just get right into it.
1: So we are joined here in the studio today by Santosh Giri Rajan. He's an associate professor of um, uh, biochemistry and molecular biology, as well as anthropology here at Penn State. Thanks for joining us, Santosh. Uh, thanks, Sam. Thanks, Nate. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your research kind of generally?
2: Yes. Uh... I'm a human geneticist and uh, we uh, study the, uh, the genetics, uh, complex genetics of uh, neurodevelopmental disorders such as autism, intellectual disability, uh, schizophrenia and epilepsy. So basically we um, use a, a, a series of uh, different types of uh, experiments in um, Drosophila flies. We uh, work with uh, families uh, with affected children and also we develop uh, uh, new bioinformatics tools to analyze uh, data.
1: So Nate and I were talking a little bit, uh, one of our previous episodes, we talked about the Nittany Lion genome, Mm -hmm. and something that came up was kind of the human genome. And I was wondering, since you study human genetics, what what is kind of the human genome?
2: Um, So there is no the human genome, because uh, uh, what we know so far is that uh, On average, we have about three billion base pairs, which we call the human genome. And uh, every person differs in the length of their genomes and their composition of their genomes. So uh, the first human genome project was uh, kind of a a, a first step forward in understanding what human genomes contain. But in in reality, what we know know so far is there's a lot of variation between genomes. So there is no the human genome. Um, There are multiple different
0: types of human genomes. So when you say there's variation in the genome, what what does that mean exactly? So um, in in principle, most of us um, uh, or all
2: of us should contain so many number of genes and uh, a certain number of base pairs and um, what you call uh, regions, uh, uh, DNA between genes, intergenic regions, introns, exons and repeat elements and everything. But there are uh, what we've come to understand in the past 15 years is that certain regions in the human genome can be deleted or duplicated or can exist in multiple copies in different individuals, so this can uh, vary dependent on uh, uh, the ethnic group, the uh, the population where they come from, and also if uh, in, among individuals who have a certain type of uh, uh, neurodevelopmental disorders, you can find these deletions and duplications. So, which means that um, my genome can be longer than your genome, and uh, or uh, you know I could contain certain bases uh, DNA uh, elements that could be different from yours. So, if my
0: genome is longer than yours, is that a good thing?
2: There's nothing like good or bad. Um, uh, all these variations actually confer um, uh, certain traits, uh, such as height, weight, and also certain quantitative traits, um, uh, such as uh, um, you know uh, the level of uh, sugar um, in your blood, and also uh, certain some of these traits can be good uh, in terms of, uh, for example, um, people have uh, implicated, for example multiple different types of variation to um, cognitive uh, uh, cognitive ability and at the same time people have uh, identified specific changes in the genome contributing to uh, increase in cholesterol levels uh, contributing to heart disease so um, they're all traits and i would say these they all fall within a distribution Uh, some people have uh, less and some people have more of if it's a of quantitative traits. So uh, uh, that's what makes us different. So diversity that we see in the population, not just in humans, but in any kind of uh, uh, you know uh, uh, organisms, you would see the variation in the genomes contribute to their uh, the variability that you see in their traits or phenotypes. But
1: so, Santosh, when the human genome project kind of completed, mm-hmm. wasn't the idea that we could use that um, to compare? and help us like identify regions in the genome or genes that are disease causing so it it's kind of seems like where we vary from that human genome right. those things might be you know cause problems might be disease causing right so
2: so there's a um, the variation or uh, the uh, differences in our traits can uh, explain a lot of things in the sense of uh, we can say well this person is short this person is tall But the extreme of it can be pathological. For example, you can have individuals who are, uh, you can have a group of individuals who fall within a distribution for weight. But if you see somebody who's at the extreme of that distribution, you would see that that particular variation is actually contributing to that uh, extreme variation and potentially that's uh, pathological. So um, basically, the disorders that we, uh, when we started out, uh, uh, for example, uh, in the Human Genome Project, the initial expectation was we would find something like a Mendelian, which is a straightforward, single genes contributing to a single phenotype, a single disease. What we've come to understand now is um, most disorders are complex.
1: So when you say Mendelian, you're talking about Gregor Mendel. Gregor Mendel, is yes, this, what 18th? 19th 19th century century, uh, botanist who studied peas and he he found these really simple traits so a pea would be either green or yellow yellow,
2: yeah or yeah he was talking about um, dominant traits or recessive traits you have two copies of something called a bad allele then you're uh, affected you have it's a recessive if you have one bad allele then you're affected which is a dominant trait but uh, people and this is um, basically for um, most of these uh, Mendelian traits where um, that's what we thought. Most of this is going to be Mendelian traits. We're going to find single genes or individual genes who are contributing to it. But over time, we have realized even those um, quote-unquote Mendelian disorders are actually modified or modulated by multiple different other genes um, which is uh, in, a, in the genetic background.
1: So when you talk about traits that are kind of continuous and that people fall within some distribution, mm-hmm. since you one of the things you study is autism. Correct. Um, I, I guess I don't know what the, you know, most up-to-date terminology is, but mm-hmm. I know that people talked a long time about autism spectrum disorders. Correct. Is there a place along that spectrum where you kind of go from someone who has a disorder to someone who doesn't have a disorder?
2: Right. So, autism is an interesting, um, a, a very complex disorder. It has multiple dimensions. So, the way people talk about it as a spectrum is actually, um, individuals with autism or affected with autism um, have uh, defects in multiple different or different, um, their distributions are in uh, within multiple domains, uh, which could be cognitive or um, psych- uh, psychiatric or psychological or behavioral domains. or um, Uh, and also some of these could be metabolic uh, uh, domains. So each one of this, if you take into account each one of them, um, each, uh, uh, every child with, or diagnosed with autism will have different, uh, 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 will be affected differently in each one of these domains. And if you put all of these complex uh, phenotypes together, uh, it's really hard to really diagnose um, a set of individuals to have one particular disorder. So that is where the complexity uh, comes in. And, and added to that, um, what I would say is that um, autism, uh, in, in terms of just diagnosis by a clinician, it, it's, it's it's not the, the, the current diagnostic techniques that we have. It's not sensitive enough or completely sensitive to identify all such domains. So you have to have more specialized ways of looking at it. And we are looking at them in a more um, looking at a few domains and trying to diagnose autism uh, that's why people have been now doing um, imaging studies and um, all other like you know even including
0: genomic studies and, uh, um, and 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 so on so is autism a mendelian disorder
2: no so um autism um uh like i mentioned before uh from the human genome project we expected uh, many of these disorders are going to be uh, uh, mendelian uh, which means that single genes can be identified as causative uh, for these disorders but what we come to recognize is that um uh, disorders such as autism which is extremely complex um containing multiple different dimensions in terms of uh, the associated phenotypes um are caused by multiple genes and um, in fact uh, uh, from what we know uh, where we've sequenced uh, people have sequenced um, more than, um, uh, I'd say, 50,000 individuals with autism, and we know that um, there are more than a few thousands of genes. So um, it's either single genes, some single genes cause a a specific uh, uh, subtype of autism, or uh, combinations of genes uh, contributing to a more complex form of autism.
1: How do you kind of deal with this complexity in your research? So this is is the biggest challenge that we all face uh,
2: in our field. uh, the, the the aspect of dissecting uh, the uh, autism into subtypes and uh, trying to deal with uh, individual subtypes has been a, has been the uh, has been uh, the most uh, the recent developments in the field what people do is um we are trying to dissect for example what we do in my lab is uh, dissect autism based on uh, some of the comorbid features comorbid uh, are features that go, go along with you know the uh, typical triad of autism features, where people have repetitive behaviour, speech delay, and uh, uh, de- uh, decreased social um, uh, abilities. So uh, the the comorbid features are uh, uh, intellectual disability. For example, uh, these individuals are some in some of these individuals with autism have IQ scores less than 70. They have cognitive uh, defects, and some of them have epilepsy. Uh, interestingly, uh, individuals who have um, uh, epilepsy. Uh, There's uh, an interesting aspect about autism is that um, uh, the autism as such it's highly prevalent in males compared to females. On the other hand, if you find individuals who have autism plus epilepsy, you'd find more females in the sense that that, that particular ratio kind of balances out. So um, you'd see that there are more females with aut- autism and epilepsy, and um, yeah, uh, that's that's uh, that's an interesting aspect. So we are trying to dissect individual uh, components of autism and trying to see if uh, we can find certain patterns or certain combinations of uh, mutations in genes, or certain genes that could contribute to these subtypes. So uh, it's a it's a Herculean uh, tra- task. It's a, it's it's not sure. going to be so simple because uh, every family we've seen with autism is different. Uh, from, from another family that we've seen with autism, so um, people, uh, this is a, a, it's a kind of a, a often said uh, uh, a, a, a sentence is that if you've seen a child with autism, you've seen one child with autism. That's what it is. So it is <laughs> true.
1: So same time, you're talking about how mm-hmm. autism is this complex disease and probably has a lot of different causes in the in the genome. Are those variations that you see? in people with autism also seen in in other people who haven't been diagnosed with autism? So that's a good question. So um, there have been, um, um,
2: you can see both sides to it. So for example, um, there are rare causes for autism or autism type disorders uh, that are extremely rare that you typically don't see in a general, po- what you call general population. Then there are other variants that you see in the general po- floating around in the general population, contributing to very very subtle clinical phenotypes or clinical features that um, manifests uh, uh, into autism when you have um, other combinations or other mutations um, in the genomes. So um, this is very interesting because we all have some level of susceptibility for certain things. For example, um, you could have or uh, susceptibility for certain traits, which I would say susceptibility, not necessarily in a uh, in a bad context. For example, uh, you no, know, uh, uh, we we carry uh, alleles, what we call variations of a particular uh, uh, gene. For example, um, can for example for height, for weight, and things like that. For like I said, uh, blood glucose level and things like that, and similarly for uh, we have a uh, certain. Predilections for certain disorders, we carry some of these, and um, it's just a matter of the context. You have a certain variation, you pass a, a, a certain variation on to the uh, to your ch- child, and this and uh, the child also inherits another variation from your um, spouse. So that combination probably can lead to manifestation of that particular trait that was hidden, so um, or it can be uh, the the trait that would have led to very subtle uh, changes or ch- certain tr- uh, su- uh, su- uh, su- subtle traits in you could really manifest as a more severe one in the child. So in fact, um, some of these, for example, like I mentioned, uh, for example, the social attributes, uh, your uh, social behavior, it, if measured, is actually a, a, it would fall into a good distribution. And uh, some of us uh, who are in the, at the kind of not so extreme, but more towards uh, the tails, um, maybe we, carry do, we do carry some of those um, mutations or genetic changes that lead to these social changes. And this, uh, in combination with others,
0: potentially leads to more severe uh, forms of social defects and things like that. So if I would get my genome sequenced, what are some of the things that I could find out? Um, So the knowledge in the field, especially in genetics, is that we can,
2: uh, we have been able to attribute certain uh, genetic changes to certain uh, traits, certain disorders, and certain, uh, uh, and also can identify um, the uh, population or, or uh, your uh, your origins, for example, where exactly in uh, which part of the world did your uh, pre- pre- ancestors came from and things like that. So um, uh, you can certainly, um, for example, you can uh, uh, find out if you have a risk, for, not necessarily you, but uh, uh, individuals can find out if they have a risk for, for example, breast cancer, for a uh, risk for Parkinson's disease. But these are there are again associated um, uh, they, they come with, uh, they tell you how much risk you carry. They won't tell you whether you will you will get it or not get it. So at the same time, um, there are certain uh, uh, genetic changes if you find out if you carry it. For example, uh, certain deletions and duplications in the human genome uh, that have been seen in children um, uh, to be uh, uh, in children who have uh, neurodevelopmental disorders. Um, some of, s- several of those have actually been inherited from a, an apparently healthy parent or parent who has subtle features. So it's a, uh, it will help uh, in actually uh providing some genetic counseling or if we can actually start rehabilitation at an earlier stage so that we can uh, reduce the severity of symptoms in the child yes
1: so would you get your genome sequenced uh it's a good
2: question so uh would anybody would like to get their genome sequenced well uh, um first of all it's like a kind of a very personal choice um uh, in my case i would say um the way i see the human genome is uh, i would really like to get my genome sequenced but would I want to analyze my genome to know what's <laughs> going on? Well, I, w- I would analyze it. It's like, uh, the way I see it is it's, um, I would like to carry my genome in a pen drive and go to the doctor uh, every time I have some issue. Like if I find like, well, um, do I, re- for example, there's a family history of uh, hypercholesterolemia in my family and I want to know if I have mutations in uh, uh, some of those, um, you know, uh, 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 hypercholesterolemia associated genes um, at the same time um, if there's some um, something that I come to know if I get some new information in terms of um, uh, genetic uh, or f- uh, clinical features just by regular physical tests uh, then I'd go back to know what's going on but I wouldn't go back to ask would I get this in the future without any symptoms happening to me no I wouldn't do that as, as that's me but uh, no, that's that's. I think um, the way we should uh, understand the genome is uh, it should be more iterative. You should go back and forth, to the doctor, and you should add more information uh, that that becomes available through research and rigorous um, uh, um, analysis. Actually, we have the, the data that we have currently uh, for some of the disorders are based on a very su- a few sample sizes. So we have to have robust analysis to understand uh, the real contribution of these variants to diseases.
1: So you've talked a lot about how mm-hmm. there's this variation in the human genome, and we kind of all have different versions of right. the genome. Mm-hmm. Is is there something that you would call normal, that, like the normal human genome? Um. So um, this is a very uh, it's a tr- it's a tricky
2: question, very hard to answer. The reason being that. The genomes that we use today, we um, call this as a reference genome because um, the genome that we use to compare uh, in our uh, analysis uh, uh, you know, in laboratories or in clinical diagnostic uh, settings is a reference genome which we think is quote unquote, a normal genome. We think that this genome should contain everything and the DNA is all, there are no changes, mutations. And every mutation is actually sub- apparently normal. So the best way to think about this is um, in family studies that we perform, we compare the affected child's genome to the uh, genomes of the parents, because parents uh, typically are not affected. We look at simplex families where the child is the only one who's affected, so that is where the comparison becomes. So whenever you talk about normal genomes, it's, it's it's based on a context. If you're looking at individuals with a particular trait, your comparison set should con should not contain that trait, but they might contain something else. They might have something else going on. So um. It becomes very contextual, but there's no way to uh, I don't think there is anything called a normal genome because everybody has their own uh, uh, predispositions uh, for certain disorders or susceptibility for certain traits we are all the uh, we are all the uh, we are actually a consequence of the genetic changes and the environmental factors and all the evolutionary changes that happened in our uh, in our past few generations so that that's uh, we are the consequence of all of those things. So there's nothing called normal now.
0: <laughs> so, where do you see the future of genomics heading? Am I going to be walking into the office with my genome on a pen drive? Uh, possibly, I think uh, there are a few things that uh, uh, this uh, particular field is heading towards.
2: One is, um, I think that uh, the uh, uh, this is becoming more population scale, which means that everybody in the population is going to get some kind of a genome sequencing done. Uh, either you're going to get sequenced for uh, a selected number of genes, or uh, all the genes in the genome, or everything in the genome. And um, uh, the other aspect I think is that all the physicians um, should get educated uh, and informed in terms of uh, genomics, and also the clinical diagnosis should also involve uh, genetic diagnosis. Um, So uh, I think um, we will, uh, at some point, we will all be owning our own genomes. You will be carrying it with you, and uh, the the biggest question that people have been uh, asking now is who owns uh, our data, who owns our genetic data? So um, so um, the individual at the individual level, you own it, but you can still use it to understand what it means. And I would say that, um, again, you have, to have, uh, uh, you have to have an indication to go back to your genome. If you're really looking for something, if you want to know where your great-grandparents came from or grandfather came from, which part of Europe or which part of uh, you know, um, the world, you can use your genome. And if you want to know if you have predisposition to or if you will be affected with something because based on some family history, you can go back to your genomes.
1: that was really, really interesting. Thanks so much for joining us, Santos. Yeah,
2: my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: That was great. Yeah, I always knew that there was differences in the human genome, but I never realized that there could be differences in the length of the human genome, too.
1: And I thought it was a really good point that Santos made that even though there are these differences, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, one is good, one is bad. Uh, there's really no value judgments. It's just the differences that make each of us unique.
0: So if you want to learn more about Santosha's research, uh, we'll have links to his work in the show notes below. And we'll also have links to the Eberly College of Science website where you can find information on other research going on in the college. So thanks for joining
1: us on this episode of Hey, I Got a Question About That. And if you haven't already, check out our other episodes, which are available wherever you get your podcasts and also in video format on YouTube. And uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a comment.
0: Europa What do we talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is a podcast and video series where we talk. I should have looked at the camera. I'm sorry. Hello. (laughs) Hey.
1: Human genome and what would. uh, Why do I try to keep going? Did I manage to not say cool the entire time?
0: It's really neat to see. So if you want to learn more about Santosha's research.
1: Nope.
0: Santosha's research. I need to slow down when I speak. So if you want to learn more about. Nope. I'm going to get in my head again. It's going to be a Europa moment. Subscribe that smash button. Beat that subscribe button into submission. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. It'll be like LeVar Burton. I'll see you next time. Didn't you watch Reading Rainbow? Uh, I did. I just wrote
1: a song. Take a book. It's It's a a book.
0: book. Reading Reading Rainbow. Rainbow. Rainbow.